first recorder on. So, first of all, thank you so much, Hugo. I cannot do this without the Mavericks giving me their time. Otherwise, I'm just a girl sitting here thinking, where are the Mavericks? So, first question. Why do you want to do this interview? Why did you say yes? Gosh, that's a, um, uh, why did I want to do this interview? Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to be dismissive. I'm not very good at saying no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to be helpful. Um, and I think what you're doing is, is interesting. And uh, I, I mean, we all need to help each other. Um, I think the, I mean, in in chatting beforehand, you've talked about how uh, you see the world differently, and I get so frustrated about the way most of the world sees the world all wrong. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so I want to help encourage anybody to see the world differently and better. Okay, thank you very much. Now, how would you define a maverick? Um, who? Uh, well, uh, how would I define a maverick? I'm. Um, I suppose that the, the principal thing is not accepting the uh, not uh, accepting the uh, received wisdom about okay. anything. Asking a question about anything and everything. Okay, and why and it doesn't mean you have to do things differently for the sake of it. You do things differently for a reason, and that's something we do so, so many things differently at River Simple that we're accused sometimes of doing things differently for the sake of it, right. and that's absolutely not the case. Okay, okay, and why do you think you're a maverick? You've kind well, of you, touched on that. I I believe you. You told me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I mean, we, um, uh, I and, and River Simple uh, as a whole, we've been told that. I mean, we're we're so. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to. I'd be actually surprised and slightly offended, or think people haven't understood River Simple if they don't think we're slightly maverick. Okay, okay. The London School of Economics developed a maverickism scale. I'm going to give you seven statements, and you just need to say, true, false, can't decide. People tell me that I'm a maverick, or words to that effect. True. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. Well... I come up with different answers. If that's, I okay. mean, I, 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 um, yes, uh, uh, yes, that's true. Because I'd say where I mean, if you want me to expand on that, um, I am very, uh, well, very well aware of the fact that sometimes my solutions are post-rationalised. Okay. Okay. And and I come up with a solution without having a direct path to it. Makes complete sense. But if you're looking at a whole system, and I'm very, very keen on whole system design and whole system solutions, you can't develop it on a logical basis. You optimise mature things like that. Yeah. But you're really changing things. You change the context as well. Yes. As the individual elements of the context. Okay. And can't create the new context on a, in a rational step by step way. So okay. yes, I place a great deal of uh, uh, faith in my intuition, mm-hmm. but I don't rely on it 
um, alone, I do make sure that I can build a case to support it before I tell anybody. Okay. I am much more productive than other people. Sometimes. I wouldn't say firstly yes. Okay. Sometimes. I mean, it's very erratic. Sometimes definitely yes and sometimes definitely no. Okay. I have very unusual talents. What do I seem to come up with different solutions. I don't know if that's a different talent. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't like to claim that for myself. Maybe. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm generally underestimated by people. Um, uh, probably. I'm used to, I mean, I still look up to everybody, and I probably. Uh, and uh, uh, yes, and I, 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 I yeah. Um, I find it a struggle to get people to understand what I'm saying and I think it's being dismissed too easily. Okay. People just don't understand. Okay. I don't I, know if that's not a clear answer, that one. No, 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 it makes sense, though. Uh, to me, it makes sense. Remember, you're number 81. This makes sense to me. <laughs> it's just I a very do, process. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. Yes. Why do you do things differently? Um, I I think the two um, things different in um, the context of what I uh, how I think and solve problems and move forward is one I think I'm very good at the whole picture mm -hmm. and people really really have to have it force fed to them to see all the elements and I can see the whole picture um, and. The same when I used to be designing racing cars, I could design the whole car on in the old days of a drawing board right. with just pencil and paper, every view just 2D, right. and I never had two bits in a whole car that I designed every component that wanted to be in the same place at the same time. Okay, Everything so fitted together, and I knew in my head every dimension in the entire car on every drawing. Okay. So that's a whole picture. Yeah, yeah. Get it, get it. And the other, the other thing is that, um, I mean, I think that everything that I'm doing is very purpose-driven. Yes. Rather than where's, where's, where's the next um, dollar going to come from. Mm -hmm. and, and that enables me to think over a much longer time scale. Right. Most people seem willing to consider. Okay, okay. And that's another aspect of whole system design, but yeah. it's a temporal aspect. Okay. Um, and you've kind of answered this question, but I'm going to ask you again in case there's anything you want to add. So can you give me an example of what you do differently and how? Like you've explained the, the car, how you used mm. to design cars. Yeah. So, in, so for example, with River Simple, give me one thing that you do differently. Mm. What well, the company does that we yeah do. yeah all right well we'll never sell a car we'll only ever sell a service okay car company that will never sell a car okay. so um, if you want me to explain why that's so different if you sell cars you make more money by selling more cars right your interests are obsolescence and high running costs because those are the two ways you make money yes if you sell a service. We will contract with somebody for one or two 
maybe three years, they, we provide a car, they pay on a monthly basis, and it's a mileage-related fee. The more miles they do, the more they pay. Right. We cover all the costs, including not just maintenance and tyres, but insurance and fuel as well. So that when the, car, when the contract's finished, we want the car in as good a condition as possible, with as much life as possible, we, because we can provide it to a second, third, fourth, fifth-hand yeah. customer. Yeah. And we want uh, the car to be as low-maintenance and efficient as possible because we're paying for the maintenance and the fuel. Right. So it's not just a sort of incremental softening the damage of, of cars. It completely reverses your drivers from maximising resource consumption okay. if you're selling product yeah. to, to minimising resource consumption. Wonderful. We want to provide as much economic utility with as little resource as possible. It's completely changed the financial drivers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Which brings me to my next question, because you've touched on this, but you've already said, my question is, is what you do equated with um, the bottom line or something else? So this is not about making money, is it? Although I'm well, hoping you're making money along the way. Well, it's about making money from doing the right thing rather than making right. money from doing the right And at the moment, the, 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 the bulk of industry is set up in a way that profits from doing the opposite of what even policymakers realise we've got to do. Mm. And how can we hope to have a sustainable industrial society whilst we continue to re reward industry for the opposite of what we're trying to achieve? I do think that it is a more robust, um, more profitable and especially more resilient business that comes out of this. Mm. But you do have to take a long view to understand that. Because we have declining resources and increasing regulatory pressure mm -hmm. on the business of making and selling cars, your profit lies outside that converging funnel yes. of res depleting resources and regulatory pressure. Yeah. Your profit motive is way out here, whereas we're making more money by staying in the centre of that funnel. Right. So that is, that is designing a business for trends that we know that are inevitable. Okay. We're not betting on when oil runs out or when copper runs out or anything like that. But the fact is they're declining. Right. They're a resource and we're using them. And so um, a business that is founded on maximising the consumption of a declining resource yeah. is not a very smart business. So there is a profit motive in there. Okay. I mean, that, yeah, yeah. that was, was reverse engineered because I set out to build a sustainable um, uh, solution to personal transport. Yeah. Um, and that's where the sale of service comes in and the new technology that we're employing. And I've reverse engineered into this arguments as to why this is more profitable. Okay, and okay. what our investors have bought into. We don't want people to invest simply out of altruism. No. We don't want people to take our car out of altruism. Any system based on altruism isn't a system. Right. And it won't won't succeed. So it, well, it won't last. Yeah, we've got to get if we want to have serious impact, we've got to have serious penetration. Yes, we've got to appeal to the, the 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 standard impulses that affect all investors and all customers. Okay, okay. Is any part of being a maverick to do with autonomy over your life? Um. Yeah, I mean, I. I um. Sometimes get very depressed by the whole 
sort of scenario and think, what else would I do? But I just routinely and for years mm. wondered what on earth people would pay me to do that I'd want to go and do for them. Right. And it's a, it's a, it's so, I mean, I, I'd be delighted to have a nine-to-five job. I mean, I'm sort of, I'm in a way, I feel sort of, I never set out to, to try and build a new industry. Right. But it sort of sometimes feels like that's what I'm what trying do to do. do. Okay. And, and it's sort of by accident, because I got out of motor racing through a, through um, environmental concerns, really. Right. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I just knew it was going to be nothing to do with cars. And then, then I went and did an MBA. And I oh, did God, a, and I told you that <laughs> But, but, Billy, yeah, yeah. I've got to tell you, I went to do this MBA um, on, in, because I was treading water. Yeah, and I yeah, knew I yeah. The sort of, um, uh, a sort of voluntary sector sort of person. I was going to work in the private sector, but I had no idea what I was going to do. And, and I thought I'd better learn to speak the language right. That's what I did. while I was treading water trying yeah. to work out what the hell to do and and I went to it knowing that I was going to disagree with 90% of what I was going to be taught right and okay. I was class anarchist right so, okay okay that's interesting that is interesting took, and our course the, the leader of the course at Cranfield was constantly saying back in your box here you go Oh, gotcha. That's another awkward question. Yes. He was a pretty bad economist with a high-pitched voice. Right. And, and I, we had a pretty antagonistic relationship, I tell you. But, but the thing is, in some days, you know, you've got to learn about something to know that you're not, that's not for you as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Does doing things differently, Hugo... Re- oh, sorry. And so Go while on. I was doing that, I yeah. had to do a major project. Right. An academic project on bringing hydrogen fuel cell cars to market, right. purely academically, knowing that you couldn't do it without the auto support and their clout, right. and you couldn't do it with them because it'd be commercial suicide. And by the time I'd finished, I realised that actually you could do it from outside the industry, yeah. and it was easier from outside than inside. Yes. And, so, and then I pushed my food around the plate for about a year because it was all a bit daunting, yeah. and gradually it just got sucked into it. Right, okay, okay, brilliant how you've got that. It wasn't, I wasn't wanting to be, I mean, I have always worked for myself and had my own business and been entrepreneurial, but not, it's not sort of a, a, a real desire to be a serial entrepreneur. Okay, okay. It's just, I sort of, it's just gravitated this way. And yes. I, and I, yeah, anyway. There you okay, go. okay. <laughs> Does doing things differently require certain skills, talents, mindsets? And if so, what are they? Um, um, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you that um, I'm gobsmacked at the way some people see the world. I, mm-hmm. just, I just can't understand um, the blinkers that people seem to have and just how constraining um, uh, existing standard ways of doing things, conventions mm-hmm. are. Not just constraining how what people will actually do, but what they can even imagine. Right. Constrained by standard practice. Yes. And I and I just and I think and I don't know why that's difficult. It seems obvious to me, but it's clear, it was clear, abundantly clear in my MBA with a lot of bright people who are seventy or something. Yeah, yeah. And they just 
couldn't grasp what I was on about. Yes. I mean, I, and it seemed to be so simple. But it's obvious to you and I. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, another, and, and I've talked about the whole system design and taking the long view. I haven't talked about backcasting rather mm. than forecasting. Mm. I mean, that's something that I think is terribly important and, and leads you to come up with a wholly different plan. Mm. If you sort of forecast from where you are, I like to talk about a tree yeah. with branches. If you start at the bottom, trying to head up the tree, yeah. you can easily go out onto a limb. Yes. And that you reach a dead end. And it's the sort of, it seems like the obvious way to go if you're forecasting. And it's right. the low-hanging fruit and all those sort of yeah. um, uh, standard um, um, lines. But you get to a dead end when you're at the end of a branch. Yeah. It's really bad. You haven't got to where you want to go, which is the crown of the tree. Yeah. Um, so A, you haven't got to where you want to go. And B, you've got to write off all the investment you made in getting to the wrong place. Yes. Start again. And if you backcast from the where you want to be and you imagine a point far enough in the future that it's not related or constrained by the existing, um, existing status quo and you plan back from there how you got to that place in 50 years' time, yeah. you can't avoid getting to the roots of the tree. Yeah. And, and so it allows you to develop a plan where every investment you make, all the emphasis you put in all your practices is taking you a step towards the crown of the tree. Instead of the branch. Of wild goose chase. Right, okay, okay. But it does mean that it's very difficult for most people sometimes to understand why you put the why I put the emphasis on some things I do put emphasis on. Yes, no. It's yeah. not relevant at the moment. Let's just get on and do what we're doing and yeah. we'll worry about that later. Yes. But don't realise it'll be too late, late later. Then. Yeah, and you'll have invested in that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So you've... you've answered this bit in a way but my next question is what are the challenges to being a maverick so obviously one of the challenges Hugo is that people don't understand your your way of thinking mm-hmm. and the way you see the world what else what's been the challenge what's been well, the challenges for you um there's one thing that I've been very conscious of um in that um routinely uh, I've been told in, I think, at least half a dozen major different aspects of business and what we're doing, mm. they can't be done. And, and you have to be very, very stubborn and have an awful lot of uh, faith in the, the, the concept yes. to keep on keeping on. Um, and yet, um, River Simple is a composite of a lot of input from a lot of people and a lot of ideas. I've been a magpie for ideas. Right. So, Sometimes there's a bit of criticism you do have to listen to. Yes. And you need that. And you've got to sort of sift, you've got to balance the stubbornness with the, the listening. Yes, yes. And there are two opposite ends of the personality spectrum. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, I, and, and, I think that, and I'm better at the being stubborn bit. Yeah. And I've had to learn to be better at the listening bit. Okay. So one, I'm going to share this with you, right? Um, I did one interview with this guy in Malaysia and in between this whole interview we had this half hour where all we did was talked about her stubbornness and what we'd inherited from our fathers the whole that conversation alone made the whole project worthwhile because he was telling me what his dad was like 
And I was saying, <laughs> is your dad related to my dad? It was so, so pig-headed stubbornness is definitely a commonality in the Mavericks, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. What's been the lowest point of your journey as a Maverick? Um, uh, lowest points really um, well they're to do with money mm-hmm. um, because it's it's been a sort of painful uh, uh, road and it's difficult to get people to invest in things I've been placing a lot of value on corporate governance now that's becoming a big thing in the last year or so yeah. only in the last year Ten years ago, people were just saying, "You're what?" Yeah. What? <laughs> and, and 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 so anyway, that's that's um, you, you do have a problem in getting. Um, uh, uh, we've always had a problem in getting money, and it's it will remain uh, the case for a while to come. Uh, but um, it doesn't sort of discourage me. But it, I, the one aspect of of it, of the only aspect of the business I don't like is raising money. Okay. Okay. Don't like asking people for money. I'm rubbish at it. It's not my sort of metier. I got really interested originally in the car technology. Right. I like to talk about three levels of design. Yeah. The car technology. Then I got interested during my MBA yeah. in the, the business model. Yeah. That's the, the level above in design terms. Yeah. Then there's a level above that. Um, I've met somebody who's been the head of the design council. He talks about these three levels of design. He said D3 is design at the level of ideology. Yes. I started to get into that, really, when I was thinking about the environment, and I was thinking about purpose-driven organisations, and I was thinking about corporate governance. Yeah, because really, sorry to interrupt, but what you seem to be doing is, you're just from what you've told me so far, is that... You know, in the in an ideal world, what would having a car be like? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what your company's doing. From what you yeah. just described, absolutely. And people think it's idealistic, but it's actually much better business. But not being funny, if you don't achieve for idealism, we'd have never reached the moon. <laughs> we'd have, we'd have just said it's idealistic to say we'd reach the moon. So, okay, okay. So, I don't so, know. Sorry, levels of design, the third level yeah. said that we're the only people he's ever come across who are designing at all three levels simultaneously. Right. And it's very parallel to, to Joanna Macy. Have right. you heard of her? Um, she's a edu- uh, was an environmental educator, very remarkable woman. She's a philosopher and educator in the States. Uh, Joanna Macy, M-A-C-Y, and she talks about three levels of change that are needed she, uh, to, 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 to envisage a uh, sustainable future. One is the sort of elastoplast, sort of immediate measures, damage limitation. Second is is redesigning of our systems. Mm-hmm. Third is is a change in con- consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I think that very much with the three levels of design I'm talking about. Yeah. Have um, you... Have you read the design of the, the design of business? No, no, I haven't. There's a book that you might like. It's called The Design of Business: Why Design Thinking is the Next Competitive Advantage, and it's by a guy called Roger Martin. Roger Martin. I've written that down. Okay, so I think you might like that. So the, the I was, that was really a, a sort of. Um, uh, 
going off on a tangent about money being sort of low points. Right. But actually, I think more seriously, the low points are when um, uh, when I have uh, trouble with people who I've been working with for some time. Right. They just lose faith and give up. Yes. And, yes. And there have been a few of those. And, and it, what tends to happen, it seems, is that... Um, I, what I would regard as willful misinterpretation. They yes. think that um, uh, I'm suddenly, suddenly I decide I want to be very rich or something like that, which is just not, not the case. Yeah, yeah, and, it's their and, interpretation. Yeah, and and they and and I think it, it, it tends to be when when uh, we have a real blow in some sort of external business sort of issue. Right. Uh, they feel this is just one one sort of blow too much. Okay. And and he and he all t- we've never I've never had arguments with these people where it falls out, but there's been a bad vibe on on parting company and okay. them falling by the wayside, and that I find terrible. Okay. Okay. Really grim, and that's when I get down the dumps actually. Okay. So also the money. Thank you so much for sharing that, and you know, uh, uh, just to reassure you perhaps if maybe reassure is the wrong word but you know that's one of the things that a few mavericks have said to me that one thing is that is that because because people live in this conforming world and they have certain expectations of work and business yeah they said sometimes they come on board but then their gut instinct is, where's my job security? Where's this? Where's that? So yeah. th- they come on board and they have faith in you, yeah? But then it's yeah. almost like, it's a bit like peer pressure in adolescence. The peer pressure of society is pulling them. Like one guy told me in London, they have a company, nobody has a job title. Okay? Yes. Nobody has a job title. And then, um, and... He was saying, you know, it starts off great, but he goes, you do have people who come in and we've, and they said, you know, we have to be honest, we hired the wrong person because no matter how great an interview you do, you cannot figure out if in six months time this person, because if the person's going home and his missus is going to, if you ain't got a job title, how am I supposed to tell everybody what you do? <laughs> you know, and sometimes that kind of, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So I think it's to do with if you, it's always gonna if when you're an, when you're a company, and any if you took any of my mavericks, if you anybody of them running a company, one of the hardest things is getting the right staff. Yeah. Who understand, especially if you're saying this way of particular way of looking at it that you have and if it's not the way that they're used to looking at it either you got to talk a good talk and sell it but even so that's still one voice against everything else society's yeah. telling them yes I, it makes me think of um, another sort of angle on, on on this um in that riversimple is designed to be extremely agile and flexible and um and and so uh, my favourite joke is how do you make God laugh? You tell him your plans. <laughs> so, so you've got to be agile and you've got yeah. to be, uh, 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 roll with the punches. Yes. But at the same time, with this whole backcasting, long view and uh, um, uh, purpose-driven um, sense in the company, 
there are some really core principles that are absolutely cast in stone. Very different. That's very different. It is. Being... It is very different. But that is no different than living a life where you kind of have a rough idea of the plan, but mm. you do spontaneous things. Yeah. But the trouble is that sometimes when something goes wrong, um, people find it very difficult to dif- distinguish between those points of principle upon which you can't flex yeah. and the agility that I talk about. Okay, okay. And yeah, I'm say, with you. Well, don't, you don't walk the talk. Yeah. You're not flexing on that. And they cannot distinguish between yeah. the principles and this flexibility. Yeah. And and so that's sometimes a cause of, of, of friction and yes. loss, loss of enthusiasm and commitment. Okay, okay. So I don't know a lot about you. Obviously, the only thing I know was I saw one article on you, and that's all I know. Okay, so what aspects of your personality or character influence your maverick approach? We've done the stubbornness bit, we know that bit. Yeah, um, um, what other aspects of my character? Um, yeah, my father was pretty stubborn, my father, um. Uh, had a sort of fairly maverick career. Um, I suppose he did some uh, exciting and interesting things. So um, he certainly gave me, um, uh, instilled in me uh, uh, um, uh, an attitude of um, you can do it rather uh, rather than just give in and no one, I mean, just um, uh, an idea to dream big. Okay, okay, which takes... He, he, he set an example about that. The other example he set is a negative one right. that I've learned from. I've done exactly the opposite of it. Right. And that is, um, and it, it's epitomised by a, a dictum I learnt in motor racing. Okay. From an old boy in motor racing, and I quote it often. There's never enough time to do the job properly but there's always enough time to do it twice. <laughs> and yes. and the, my father was like that. He right. would always take the shortcut right. and he'd be doing it again two years later. Right. And I'm completely the opposite. Okay. I'm to really think five years down the line and it's painful now, yeah. but it's the right way, way to, to do, do it. Way to do it, exactly. You don't um, want to be first, you just want to do it better. Yeah. And, and that's not a message that investors like. No, but... And, and a lot of people don't like it. So, so you've you've touched on my next question, talking about your dad, which was: Are you born or bred a maverick? Um, you know, my father was certainly a, a, a maverick. He was um, um, born and brought up in Australia, and ran away from school when he was sixteen, and came to Europe, right. uh, joined the British Army, and married my mother in England post-war. So um, uh, he had a colourful career. And, uh, um, but I mean, my middle brother isn't at all. So I don't know, don't know what that means. So, I'm born or bred, I haven't got a clue. Okay. I mean, quite privileged, Billy. I think that affects it, actually. Right. Um, I've, um, uh, I mean, uh, um, I was privately educated, I went to Oxford and, all this sort of thing, and, and I think that is important because although I've been absolutely down to my brass, brass farthing yeah. uh, of an occasion, 
I, I, I never, um, um, I've never actually gone to sort of sat down and thought, well, how can I earn some money? Right. I just thought, what am I going to do? Yes. And be able to do it. Okay. And, and it hasn't, it hasn't made me rich either. But yeah. I think that confidence has come from a privileged background. And okay. ultimately I could go home to my parents and, and I got bed and a bed and some food. So, yeah. And okay. it makes a difference. Okay. And I've also had a fantastic wife over the last 15 years without whom I couldn't possibly have done this. Yeah. Because I've done this for, for years without any pay um, on the basis that my wife was supporting the family. Yeah. And, and that makes a, a huge difference, not just in terms of sort of 25K to keep yourself alive. Yeah. Um, it, it's the fact that you don't have to get investors. Yeah. I haven't had, didn't have investors for years. Yeah. That meant there was no pressure to do something quickly rather than do it right. Yes. That's yes. the big difference. Okay. Because um, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have had the space to develop the ideas fully and comprehensively if I'd been doing it with external finance. Yes. Now, that makes complete sense, especially in line with some of the things that other people have said to me. How is your enthusiasm and drive and energy related to being a maverick? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, High energy, low energy, really enthusiastic, kind of like, uh, just less... Erratic. Okay. I do. I mean, mean, my energy does go up and down drastically. I'm very good under pressure. Okay. And and I tend to sort of... um, uh, I I don't know when I... I mean, if I don't, if I'm not motivated, I'm really awful. Okay, so it's to do with being motivated. Yes. Okay. Yes. How yes. do you see rules? Um. Uh, well, I've broken an awful lot of rules in my time. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> no, lots of rules that, um, but I don't feel they've sort of done things that are. Uh, naughty that you would be ashamed of. Right. So there's a difference between the sort of rules you break and 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 I think that um, I'm I'm qu- quite keen on on principles rather than very keen on principles. Right. Um, and so rules are often ways to that, that are often things that in, uh, are trying to draw a line, a particular hard line in the sand for everyday life that are based on a principle. Okay. I respect the principles. Often the rules, I think, are rubbish. Yes. I mean, a rule of 30 miles an hour in a, in, 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 on the road, um, to me, the principle is I don't want to hurt anybody. Yes. And when the, it's 30 mile limit and there's nobody around and there's no houses and no pavements and nobody... Yeah. I can see absolutely, absolutely no yeah. point in the rule at all. Okay, okay. Is that? Yeah, I yeah, that makes sense. With a professor who's been involved in 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 uh, River Simple for many years, and and he, I was driving him, and and somehow the subject of thirty miles an hour came up, and he was absolutely adamant we should stick to thirty miles an hour, and I was absolutely adamant we shouldn't hurt anybody. Right, gotcha. 
Have you always taken a maverick approach to business or was there a particular trigger? Something happened and you thought, from now on, I'm doing it the Hugus Bow way. Um, uh, no, um, I don't even know particular um, tr- 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 trigger. As I say, I just did, I've always done things the way I wanted to. Okay. And, 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 uh, uh, and I and it's not that I want to do them differently. I just want to do them better. Yeah. And okay. I also want to do something interesting. I mean, I'm not interested in incremental. Actually, I'm not interested in incremental design. I'm right. not interested in incrementally improving things. I'm much more interest, driven by the big steps. The radical design. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, so Maverick, being Maverick business-wise, probably inevitably comes to the territory. But I'm not really yes. driven to be Maverick. I'm driven to uh, what fascinates me are the big steps, really making a difference. Okay, okay. Big patient, doesn't matter whether it's in vehicle design or business models or whatever. Yes, that makes sense. Are you always a maverick or do you choose to be so at times and why? No, I don't... um, No, I don't think I'm always a maverick, really. I'm sort of... I can can very easily be lazy on holiday. I have no problem relaxing on holidays. I, uh, I love my family life. I love sitting down and reading books and yeah. things like that. And I mean... Um, um, okay, so do you, do you turn the maverickism level up and down? Like, for example, you're, you know, Billy's interviewing me. She's writing about mavericks. I could be 10 out of 10 here. And then there might be another day, Monday morning, you might be going into a meeting with some potential investors, for example. Yes. And, you know, they buy into your philosophy, but they're only going to hand, you're like, your brain says, brain or heart, whichever one you use, um, or gut, and says, yeah. you know, they're not going to handle more than a four out of ten out of the maverickism. Yeah. I need to tone this down to four. Now, do you do, you do that? Yes. I... I... I do tone things down yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, in curtailing what what I'm saying, but I don't think of it in terms of um, maverick. I I just um, I investors are the mindset that I find hardest to relate to. Yes. Um, and the way the investment world works, and I know that I'm on shaky ground, and I try and rely on other people. Okay. Um, and I know what I shouldn't say and where I should keep my mouth shut. Okay. Um, I don't. I, don't, I do, though, think that the maverick bit of River Simple is an emergent property of just what I'm wanting to do. Yes. It's not an intent. No. So I never turn up the maverick scale. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's inevitable if you think things through properly because most of the world is thought through so badly. Yes. And it's yeah. everything done so badly that if you do it right, it inevitably gets the sort of accolade of, or whatever, or accusation of Maverick. Okay. But it's a property of trying to do it differently and be- trying I, to do it better. So that's it's what, not intent. So that's one of the advantages of being a, a Maverick in business. Because my next question is, what are the advantages and disadvantages of being a Maverick in business? Oh, um... Oh. I can't think of many advantages. I mean, I find it... Um, I mean, I think it's harder to sell it. I mean, there, there are PR advantages, I'm sure, being interesting. Doing uh, an environmentally uh, sustainable car 
could easily be worthy. And we're not, never going to be considered worthy and holier than that because, I mean, I've got a, a, um, a background in motor racing. It helps from that point of view. Yeah. We're it because we love it and we really fervently believe in it, but we're not boring. And being eco can easily be seen as boring and worthy. And I, at university, I was involved in a thing called the Dangerous Sports Club. Um, and that's a skeleton that occasionally comes out of the cupboard. Right. And it's not what I'm embarrassed about, but it does, it does help uh, temper any, any um, a, uh, impression of us being uh, terribly worthy. Okay, okay. Fun. It's very important. I mean, I, I, I think I'm quite good at making things fun. Right. So I, I want work to be fun. Okay. And has, has age and experience altered your maverick approach? And if so, how have you grown? Um, um, how have it changed? I think I found a better balance. Okay. Of voice. Um, not putting people off unnecessarily. I mean, they still do put some people off. Um, um, I, I know one other problem I've just thought, Billy, I f find that even though I'm taking a long view, mm -hmm. um, I do have a good grasp of the whole system and I can easily move through a whole series of things in half an hour of discussion that it seems obvious to me this is the right thing to do mm -hmm. and other people will be wanting to spend two weeks or even two months analysing all possible scenarios before they decide what to do. And, I, and they, cannot, they cannot bear my overbearing insistence. And this is what we should do. We yeah, should do it. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, this is right. And it seems so obvious to me. And two months down the line, they'll agree with me. But, um, but, but uh, that's it, 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 it strains relationships. Yeah, it does. So, what aspects of your business are you most maverick in? Um, um, I think the corporate governance okay. is the most uh, the corporate governance and intellectual property. Right. So, uh, the corporate governance. Um, uh, it's, it's the last really major element, and I. I started this in 99 mm. when I was Cranfield, and it wasn't until 2001 I started looking at corporate governance. Okay, okay. And, and I'd never, I'd, shockingly, I'd been through an MBA for two years, mm. and I didn't really know what governance meant. Mm -hmm. Isn't that shocking? I mean, it's just pathetic. Um, and you think, I just think it's so critical to running business. Right. And yet we did nothing about it in an MBA. Anyway, um, I decide, I, uh, um, when I started thinking about this, very quickly reached the conclusion that it should be um, governed by a body, a board or whatever, mm -hmm. that in microcosm represented the balance of interests of the whole of society. Right rather than maximising shareholder value. Right. And, and I think that um, we're the only, company, the only company in the world that I know of that really has the, a multi-stakeholder governance model like this, where we have six different identified stakeholder groups who are impacted by uh, the business, and all of them are treated symmetrically. 
So it is a true partnership between six different stakeholder groups. Okay. And, and the, the fiduciary responsibility of the board is to balance and protect those six benefit streams. Okay. Not to maximise one. Okay. One is the investors. Um, but one of them is the environment. Yes. That's not environmental NGOs. That is the environment. environment yeah. Um, one of them is the staff. One's the customers. One is the commercial partners, like suppliers. Yeah. And one is the community, all those bodies who have no direct commercial in- relationship. Yeah. So local government interested in employment. Yeah. Bodies interested in road safety or air quality or whatever. And 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 I believe that all those six stakeholder groups are critical to the success of the business. Right. And you need to, therefore, to maximise the goodwill from all those stakeholders. Yes. You can't hope to maximise the goodwill of five of them if their interests are subordinated to the six. Yes. And, and in fact, by doing so, you'll have a greater level of goodwill, so you'll have a more successful, more profitable and more resilient business. Yes. Which is the interests of shareholders. And the paradox is that to have an investment in this more successful business, you've got to give up control. Yes. Because you can't have a partnership in which one partner's in control because it's not a partnership. No, that's a dictatorship. Exactly. And you need a partnership in order to maximise the goodwill of all these groups. But also, it means you have a much better quality of decision-making because all the different perspectives are brought to bear in making long-term strategic decisions. So a company like this could never get into BP's Deepwater Horizon type situation. Right. The company would never have been allowed to take those risks Risks, by the board. Okay. So that's the most maverick thing. The other thing thing is is that that I absolutely deeply want to open source all the technology. Right. And that we haven't really done yet, but it's always been talked about, and we're always going to do it when we get to the point where we can. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, some investors balk at that, but I believe it's actually in, in the interests of all, investors included. Right. Might be worth having a chat with Elon Musk. <laughs> he's, he's made his... I, I, I have to say that I take that with a pinch of salt because he has always been very dismissive of patents mm. and so he's tended not to patent things because right. then the information is in the public domain if it can't be used. Right. So he's released all his patents, but all his real know-how he hasn't patented. Right. Okay, okay. And what aspects of your business are you least maverick in? What do you do just like everybody else? Um, what do we uh, least maverick about? Um, um, well, I think that... I think that I like um, the books to be extremely accurate. Okay, okay. I mean, that, that, I mean I'm pedantic about it. Yeah, it's really funny because it's the top answer. Finance and tax. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I just, I just, um, I mean, I, I, I think we just, I, we're always sailing close to the wind. Yeah. You can only do that if you really know where you are. Exactly. How do you balance being a maverick with home life? Um, oh, I don't know. I, um, um, I don't really think about that. I, um, 
I mean, I don't, I don't feel that different. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. I'm very conventional. Got a, uh, I married my wife before we had children. Um, we've got two children who are 12 and 14. Um, um, I, unlike before I was married, I tend, I, I don't go into the office much at weekends, right. sometimes Saturday mornings. Yeah. Um, but I don't, and I do bring a bit of work home and I do work a bit at home, but I, I do take quite a lot of weekend off. Yeah. Always. And, um, um, no, I don't. I, okay. I don't think. I don't. I don't think of it as. I, I, it's not an issue. I've ever. I've ever no, thought. and that's fine. That's trying. Myself as a maverick. Like yeah, that, that, that's I'm transparent fine. because you have. You know, I have other mavericks who turn around and say, "Oh my God, I'm maverick in the office," and then I struggle because at home I can't be maverick, and it's. You know, so di- there's totally different personalities. <laughs> Is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? Um, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Um, What's the legacy? I um, I don't sort of think about it much, but yeah. I definitely want to. Um, I mean, I like I love um, the putting a ding in the world uh, yes. quote from John. I'd like to contribute. I'll put in a dent I, in the universe. Yes. Yes. Didn't he say a ding? I can't. Do you know what? I don't know. But the thing was, I've been saying it for years and never realised he'd he'd already copyrighted the thing. (laughs) Um, So um, I don't go around thinking about it, but Mm. I, but I, more and more as I get older, actually thinking about it, I as I get older, one change is that I'm I'm much more conscious of the fact that I had a very privileged start in life. Right. And and I think it is. Ever the more incumbent upon one to do to 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 contribute something positive in one's life if you had a if you had a um, a good education and so on. So uh, um, that um, um, that's what I, did. I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm, I love design anyway, and I love the quantum leaps in design mm-hmm. in just both aircraft or yeah or yeah art or or business models or i love the whole concept of quantum leaps but that might be related to the the, the concept of having uh, an impact and the legacy yeah I'm, I'm not sure i'm not sure which came first actually. Yeah. I mean, they are related but i'm but i have a feeling i was interested in the quantum leap before i had any sort of social responsibility at all okay. i don't think of myself as being terribly socially responsible in my 20s Okay. Okay. Go faster and win. Go faster and win. Um, and, and build and build radical cars. I mean, I, I did want. I wanted to. I wouldn't have been interested in making a car that was successful but looked like everything else. Actually, yes. That's true. I, I, yes. It had to be. I had to be making some advances. Okay. Okay. Not just. Thinking. Okay. So my next question: Mavericks tend to be risk takers. What's the biggest risk you've taken in business to date? In business? Yeah. I mean, I've certainly never been averse to risks. Um, and um, uh, um, when sort of dangerous sports, as I said, and motor racing and things like that, the uh, biggest risk I've taken, oh, I mean, I don't know, I mean, the biggest risk I sometimes feel is sticking to my principles. Okay certainly slowed things down. Okay. Uh, the principles 
of the business, the governance model, and all mm. those sort of things, and not and and being really very stubborn about those mm. things. Um, a lot of people have said you'll never get investors to back this and things like that. Mm. And uh, and I've been and and that's been. Um, I think that's really the biggest. Okay. Risk yeah. That really. ma- from what you've said, that makes sense. So, how how many ventures have you done in the past five years? How's River Simple's been going since um, nineteen ninety nine? Is that your only company, only venture? The world has been going since nineteen ninety nine. I set up a company in two thousand and one, and then I, um, and that uh, still exists, but was subsumed into a, a limited liability partnership okay. to to create this governance model. Right. And then that limited liability partnership was turned into a limited company to make, because there were all sorts of uh, technicalities that right. prevented us really work, um, bringing in investors into an, an LLP, into a manufacturing business. So, but, it, but it's been one sort of continuous thing. Okay. And then prior to that, I had a motor racing business um, from 84 to... Uh, well, the company still exists, actually, but it doesn't do very much. Okay, so three free ventures in the last five years, then? Uh, no, it's all the same venture, oh, okay. I'd say. I mean, okay. it's all... There's no... Uh, there have been other legal structures, but, okay. uh, but it's all been one project. Okay. And what would you consider are the characteristics of a successful venture, business, project, whatever you want to call it? Um... Well, success for me. Yes, success um, according to ego. Define is is very dependent on um, being aligned with trends, mm-hmm. so that it's going to become ever more successful. Right. And being resilient right. ahead of being profitable. So. Um, I think it's resilience for anybody, even an investor, is more important than profit. Okay. Because you, by definition, you can't have a resilient business without profit anyway. Right. But you can easily have a profitable business that without, isn't resilient. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> and 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 I think very few business and an awful lot of businesses are not resilient. Okay. And so I'm very proud of our governance model because I think that in the, in in the long term will prove to to, to be the core of a much more resilient business that will be able to survive through decades of change. Well, the, res- well, the, the governance model is your game changer. That I is the game changer. Yeah, for sure. I get people to see, other people to see that, Billy. You're very quick off the mark if you can see that. I yeah. believe that too. What leads to successful execution of a venture? Ooh. Um some very, very comprehensive thinking. Okay. Um, I don't want to use the term planning. I mean, it's tempting um, because I think plans are, are, are dangerous things in that people tend to start believing that that's what's going to happen. Um, right. But some, um, River Simple certainly, uh, as I said earlier, um, uh, is in my view, an extremely comprehensive okay. uh, uh, proposition to deal with personal transport, and it couldn't have happened overnight. Okay. 
took a lot, a lot of time. And I am very cautious about, I think with radical ideas, you have to be much, much more belt and braces in being able to justify anything you say. Right. You say anything, and yet another radical thing, and you can't really justify it. Right. And somebody asks an awkward question, you're caught with your trousers down. Right. Then that casts doubt over everything else in the River Simple portfolio mm. that is, 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 is different. So I think that I feel at my strongest and performing my best in the Q&A mm. after I've given a talk somewhere. Right. At conference. Because um, I'm never caught short for an answer. Right, okay. And I always am able to uh, deal with the... Um, uh, the battery electric mob or the um, intellectual property mob or whatever who have a go at what I'm proposing. Right, okay. Um, my next question is, what did you do that makes the venture successful? So part of it is what you've just given me in the answer. Is there anything else? You know, what, are you, what else do you bring to the table? One is you don't get caught with your trousers down, which is a good thing to happen, but <laughs> <laughs> could get you in trouble otherwise. Um, anything else? Um, uh, I mean, I think I've probably uh, covered it with sort of this whole system design and yeah. things like that. I mean, uh, I have had years of, um, of of dreaming about and thinking about and reading everything about car design. Okay. Uh, Who did you uh, use to design cars for? Or was it always for yourself? Yes, for myself. I worked for a couple of years for motor racing business after I left university. Right. And then I got a commission to design a car for a small racing car company. And ever since then, I've been working for myself. Okay, okay. And and, and I was into racing car design when I was at school. That's why I went off to university to do engineering. Right. To design racing cars. And, And so I think I have a very, very deep-rooted understanding of cars. Which is why you could draw them like you said you, when you explained yeah, to me right I'm, at the beginning. I can't sketch anything. I'm right. a hopeless artist. Right. But I, I can conceive of something in my head and I can hold it all in my head. There was a great sort of um, quote from Napoleon that the secret of being a good general is holding the whole plan of the battle in your head without getting tired. Okay, okay. So when a, when a venture is unsuccessful, Hugo, what do you think is the main reason for failure? Oh, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Uh, people. Okay. People who don't get it. Well, or, I mean, I, I sort of, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not perfect on this front but it's it, it, what the, the difference in a successful project and an unsuccessful one I think that without any shadow of doubt more than 50% of the difference is the team yes okay and and I and I I mean uh, we have discussed briefly um, team issues yeah um, but I think that um, that is 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 the big deal and what makes a thing um, fly or not. Okay. Well, you've answered my next question, which is how important is t- 
team to you as a maverick? Because sometimes <laughs> people think mavericks are at work in isolation. So, um, so team is fundamental, yes? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, very difficult. It's so difficult to find the right people oh. for this sort of advice. Oh, dear, is it difficult. It uh, comes um, up repetitively. And got some wonderful people, but uh, some people have come and gone. Right, okay. Just you know, sort of round pegs and square holes and so on. So does being a maverick affect your approach to leadership? Like you've said, throughout the interview, you said things like, you know, sometimes you've got a real mixed bag in your team, then you know, you, you're like, this is the right way for us, this is the right way, and they don't get it for a few months. So, um, how, does be, so how does being a maverick affect your approach to leadership? Because you're having to lead this team in some way, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, how is it, um, um, well, it's a much bigger team as of, as of about 18 months ago than it was. Right. Um, and and it's it's a uh, and I've set it up as a very democratic sort of organisation, right. which my boat racing business wasn't. I had fifteen people working for me there. Yeah, they've got a few more now, but not many. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't really have to think too hard about these issues. I'm right. having to think much harder about them now. Right, and um, and certainly. There's, there's a, we've taken on a lot of people quite quickly and we haven't been very good at induction. Right. And there's an awful lot that's different about River Simple. And we have done a bit of induction. We had the odd induction day for people. We haven't got a proper process. We haven't got the bandwidth to do it. And we're under too much pressure, left, right and centre to do it. Yeah, anything. however, the people... It's such a different concept... Unless they get their head round that in the f- very early oh. on, they might not stay, even well, though they might be the right default, person. Default to to standard practice that right. they picked up in their previous yeah, career. and 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 so people like everything about the River Simple message, but yes. they still don't really know what it means to them in a, in their everyday working life. Well, there's your induction package that needs oh. creating. Yeah, but. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's one of many things to. I mean, yeah. That's why I said, "Can we do it on a Saturday?" Yes, I get you. I get you. <laughs> How and where did you get your permission to be a maverick? Gosh, you see, I it, some of these, quite a few of these questions, Billy. Hmm. Come, I mean, my sort of gut. My, I feel in my gut to questions like that. Well, I'm not really consciously being a maverick. So I'm not, I haven't ever asked anybody permission to be a maverick. Right. I, I just want to do it better. And it's being done so badly at the moment. Right. Permission, you sort of saddled with being a maverick. If you yeah, 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 I get, I get it, I get it. Uh, so, um, so I'm not, I don't, I don't sort of recognise the question. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you how somebody responded to that. They said, similar to yourself, yeah, they turned around and said, I gave myself permission because I knew it needed to be done better. Yeah, well, yeah. But I didn't, I wouldn't have sort of thought of it as giving myself permission to be a, to be a maverick. I'm just sort of, uh, this is, this is the obvious way, way to, to do, do it. it. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, um, I mean, a lot of these ideas, very few of these ideas are fundamentally mine. And the, 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 the man who I came up with the, the idea of the governance model being representing in microcosm the interests of society, but the really big ideas came from somebody I met in 2002 who lives uh, near Seattle. Right. Uh, Getsendana. And he's the best thinker about corporate governance I've ever come across. He's a brilliant man. What was his name? Um, Joel Getsendana. Joel, Joel uh, Getsendana. Send an article about Okay, him. yeah, that'd be great. Um, and the article that I read in Fast Company in 97. Right, I okay. On to him. And I've known him for 10, 12 years now. Right. And he's brilliant. But all these, most of the big ideas have come from other people. The Rocky Mountain Institute in Colorado are responsible for an awful lot of the core ideas. What's, what I've done is, is putting them together. Right. So that in itself, see, somebody would have read that article and went, well, that's a different way of doing it, but I'm setting up a business. I'll just do it the easy way. You didn't yeah. do that. No. <laughs> no. And what jo the article wasn't about, Joel, wasn't about our governance model. Mm. He was the man who really breathed structure into what I wanted to do. Right. He understood the the, 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 the the core elements of corporate governance in a way that I would have, I, I mean, it was all foreign to me, really. I knew what I wanted to do, but I had no idea. I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just need one piece of the jigsaw to fit in. And you're like, whoa, that's it. Yes. How, yes. Is, how is being a maverick related to creativity? Um, uh, well, I, I, I think if you... I think if you are creative and do something about it, it's your saddle with being a maverick, aren't you? Okay. And what about innovation? How does it all relate to innovation? Maverick? Yeah. And the ma uh, um, um, well, I suppose it's all to do... Uh, uh, it's all to do with the, um, having the, the self-belief or the, or the confidence or the courage to... to um, to just be different. Yes. Um, and an innovation is that. Creativity is that. You can't do it if you're constrained by convention. Thank you. <laughs> Nicely put. Mavericks tend to be learners. What are you a student of? Oh. Um, well, I can tell you the thing really big... Um, Thing in my life was in the late 90s when I got out of motor racing and I was twiddling my thumbs. Yeah, I went and uh, did a five week course with somebody called Fritjof Capra, mm -hmm. who's at Berkeley. Um, this was in England, but he's he, he's a nuclear physicist who in the 1970s wrote a book called The Tower of Physics, right? Which is which is translated to 30 languages or something, and I'd read. Uh, a couple of his books, and I, when I wanted to get out of motor racing, I, I found out about this course, five weeks with him, studying the manuscript of a book that he'd been working on. Right. And there were 20 of us, we spent five weeks living with this guy, who was just genius. And, and his book, The Tower of Physics, slightly in the 70s, slightly alienating from the physics community, because it's all about the, the, the parallels between um, quantum mechanics and oriental religions. Right. Um, so... Uh, the world of physics didn't take kindly to this, and he wrote a book called *The Web of Life* in ninety, 
I think he came out about 97. And in 96, I did this five-week course with him. Right. Stuck that manuscript. And he'd spent 12 years on the book. Right. And, um, and it completely changed. Over, I mean, I had read a couple of his books, and I was in transition. It wasn't a sort of race yeah, yeah. mask moment. But that and the learning and the people I met through him and... Um, and the books he introduced me to changed my entire way of seeing how the world works. Right. That's chaos theory and complexity science. Yes. And, um, and, and, the, and, and the fact that analytical thinking, taking a, a pyramid and dismantling it, all the little bits, yeah. if you understand all little bits, you can put it all together to understand the whole, and that is a flawed concept. Right. And you can put the bits together and you get two levels up in the pyramid and something happens... There's a property of which there is no explanation through understanding the elements from which it's made. That's an emergent property. Right. And, and so an analytical approach to things is very useful, but isn't a comprehensive way of understanding things. True. And you need other insights to be able to understand things. And that analytic analysis can never explain an emergent property. And that's changed the way I view design, it changes the way I view politics, it changes the way I view my health, you name it. Okay, okay. That was, a, that was a really, and I spent three years in the wilderness, really on a shoestring. Yeah. Meet people and reading books, and my whole view of the world gradually appearing changed. Yeah. And that's been absolutely fundamental to what I've done with River Simple. Okay, okay. Another chaos theory, is that like the work with D. Hock? Well, D. Hock was the, the article about Joel Getson down. It was all about Joel meeting D. Hock and dragging him out of retirement. You're never going to believe it. I, I'm, I, have, I have, yesterday evening, I've got to tell you this, right? Yesterday evening, I have spent, like, yesterday, half a day, I was trying to find D. Hock. Because somebody else I interviewed, he's the guy who came up with the whole fair trade concept, yeah? He had, uh, like you read that article in Fast Company, this other maverick had read this article in Fast Company that D. Hock had written back in the 90s, yeah? Wait, well, it's the same article. Maybe it's the same article. Not written by D. Hock. It's about D. Hock meeting Joel Getzendander at the Santa Fe. Well, this, I think this might be a different article on D. Hock, yeah? So this guy, then there was some sort of radio interview and um, I've been trying to get hold of D. Hock. My boyfriend came in last night and said, oh, what have you been doing? I went, D. Hock's retired and he's on a farm somewhere in Bertrand, Nebraska. Remember, I'm a researcher by background. So yes. I'm, try I'm trying to be Sherlock Holmes here because there's somebody called T. Hock who owns a farm in Nebraska. And I've got to, I'm going to ring him on Monday morning to say, are you D's are you, is D. Hock your father? Because... There's a Steve Hock. He's got a son called Steve. Right, Okay. Because I want to interview D. Hoxie. Steve Hock is a lawyer. Right, okay. I will find him. And then <laughs> the, the thing is, this is part of the adventure of finding these people that people recommend to you. Okay, so nicely, do you draw on other mavericks in any way? Now, you've mentioned a few names. Yes, yes, definitely. I've uh, learned, learned a lot from... Um, people like, um, I remember years ago when I was still running my motor racing business, reading 
the book Maverick, which you've no doubt come Ricardo Semler, yeah. Deep, very inspired by that, um, apart from the fact that it seems to be a suck it and see approach to mm. innovation. Mm. Whereas I like to think things through much more rather than just try it. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's very random. Yeah. But it's very inspiring nonetheless, and a lot of good things about what he's done. The guy I interviewed yesterday turned around and told me that he'd actually met Ricardo Semler and had an hour's conversation with him. I was like, ah. <laughs> okay, so, so you, so you read their work. You tend not to read business, right? Uh, I tend, um, so I, I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to think other mavericks. So, how do you draw on them? What do you do from the information that you find on them? Oh, um, it's not that methodical. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, um, it all goes into the melting pot. Right, gotcha. So, I retain information. Things I read, yeah. I read very slowly right. and very thoroughly. Okay. And so, it's all in there. And hopefully but, it'll come out in the right way. And something spews out at yeah. the end, but there's no methodical process for okay. getting from A to B okay. at all. Is there anyone who's a maverick that inspires you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, who particularly? I mean, well, there was there was one who had, was a sort of a mentor to me in the 80s mm -hmm. called Amherst Villers. Mm -hmm. A-M-H-E-R-S-T. A-M-H-E-R-S-T, yeah. Villiers, V-I-L-L-I-E-R-S. Okay. He was born in 1900, and I used to, my mother met him in church in the early 80s, and from about 85, pretty much he died in 93. I used to have dinner with him every few weeks. Right. Uh, and he was an engineer, but he was a quantum leap man. And right. He the first bluebird in the 1920s, first car to do 200 miles an hour. He designed the Blower Bentley, which was the ultimate pre-war sports car. Right. He worked in aviation during the war. He worked for NASA after the war and was president of the American Rocket Society. And one of the funniest stories was um, <clears throat> uh, he, he um, spent, uh, he, he wanted to strap, in 1960, strap four Saturn V rockets together and put 12 men on the moon for a year. Right. And he used to say, but dear boy, it was entirely technically possible. It just required the political courage to press the go button. <laughs> and, um, and they said, no, Mr. Villers, no. And he, so he left NASA because he thought they weren't serious about space. Yeah. And <laughs> NASA's not serious about space. What, it's such a shame <laughs> this man's not around because he'd be worth having an interview with. Oh, he was genius. And he, but he was also a real polymath. He was a brilliant, I mean, really quality classical artist right so he's a great friend of Ian Fleming right and some of the early Bond books the frontispiece of portrait of Ian Fleming by Amherst right uh, and uh, he um in fact you know in the Bond films Q the mad inventor it, right you're talking to a Bond groupie here okay yeah okay, so you go. know Q yes Desmond Llewellyn that was Amherst it was modelled on Amherst right so he was a true genius of a man, and he he had absolutely no barriers, even in his late 80s, yeah. to having enthusiasm of a 16-year-old about a new idea. 
Okay. He was wonderful. So he was a great inspiration. Okay. He wasn't a very successful businessman, though. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> that happens. Uh, and, and I suppose um, um, I never met him, but Colin Chapman, who was the man behind Lotus, right. is an absolute idol in the engineering world. Right. Um, D-Hock, I have huge inspiration. Oh, huge God, inspiration yes. Um, I, I'm going to get him because he ain't dead yet. If he ain't dead, that means I can still get him. He's a pretty old man, though. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and, um, I mean, there are other people like Paul Hawking, in, um, who's based in San Francisco, who um, has written various books. He's just a, he, he is a businessman, but he's also a great evangelist in the environmental movements, and he said some wonderful things. And he's the man who first put me on the fuel cells. I spent a day rock climbing with him right. in 97. I'd never heard of a fuel cell. Yeah. Uh, but he's a, a really extraordinary character. And the Rocky Mountain Institute, uh, set up by Amory Lovins, um, he's been deeply inspirational. Um, I mean, there's quite a few. He and Paul together wrote a book called Natural Capitalism. Right. Gotcha. Uh, but, but both in their different ways, I, I've known and have been very inspirational. A man called, probably the most remarkable individual I've ever met, is somebody called Carl Henrik Robert, spelt Robert. And he's a Swedish, originally a professor of oncology. Yeah. And he's now a professor of resource science. Um, <clears throat> but he set up the Natural Step. Um, and the Natural Step is a movement that is big in Sweden, has been licensed into the UK and into the States. And uh, it's, a, it's a way of taking step-by-step working towards being a sustainable organisation. doesn't matter whether it's a company right. or a municipality or whatever. It's a whole thought process about what is a sustainable society and how to get there. Okay. And he was, he was also judo black belt champion of um, Sweden, and he was an extraordinarily funny and charismatic man. I haven't seen him for 10 years, but, I mean, he, he, his work has... Has deeply is deeply imbued in, in, in River Simple. Okay, okay. Wow, what a list. You've had an exciting life. I think I'd just like to get wasted with you now. And just talk, <laughs> just talk stories and drink wine. Okay, so, what do you have to suffer and sacrifice because you're a maverick? No, security, I suppose. Okay. And what... I mean, pro- sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it is very up and down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What, so you've answered this question earlier on, so I might just skip it out, but I always ask them in case somebody wants to add something. But what motivates you as a maverick? You know, you jump out of bed and you're trying to run this company, there's no security, you're, you're trying to create a business which is done in a completely different way. Why? Um. Oh, because I I think that I am, as I said, I feel that uh, um, uh, some sort of responsibility to to play a constructive role, yep. and and I think that we are in in an environmental crisis, the likes of which people do to the extent that people absolutely do not appreciate. Fair enough. Is any part of being a maverick, Hugo, related to finding out who you are and what you're capable of? Um, 
not really. I think I think um, as time goes on, you you find out more things about yourself by by pushing the boundaries. Certainly, mm-hmm. right. I mean, I'm not a maverick because I find out who I'm who I am. But I think being a maverick does. Uh, um, absolutely, um, it exposes all sorts of things that you probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have realised. Yes, yeah. Not terribly self-analytical, though. I'm afraid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you like being a maverick? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, just, I definitely take pride in doing things, doing uh, doing things that people notice, okay. and 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 what and uh, and I think that um, I take more pleasure if it is something that is different, not just that they've noticed it. it. Okay. Now that you've nearly finished this interview, on a scale of 1 to 10, how maverick are you? Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think of myself as highly maverick. I can sort of quite happily blend into, into most sort of... Uh, and, and, and relate to most sort of people. I don't think I come across. I hope I don't come across as too maverick. Uh, I'm surprised at how maverick some people think I am. Right. That's, sorry. Ahead. I think also that that I don't think I'm being as maverick. I think I'm just thinking things through properly. And I think that people regarding me as maverick is just because they they haven't bothered to think about it. <laughs> okay. Or they haven't seen it the way you're seeing it. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because that one Try. keeps cropping up, classic, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, So what yeah. advice would you give to someone who feels they're a maverick so that they could be the best possible maverick they could be? Um, well, um, I mean, you've, it's taking people with you. It's taking people with you. And, and so... Um, learning to listen as well as be stubborn, um, respecting other people's talents. Yes. Um, and those are the sort of things that I, I suspect don't come naturally mm. to uh, mavericks. Yes. Because but it's a skill I'm, that can be acquired. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I think if you're really passionate about it, you need to be passionate. Yes. And, and if you're really passionate, you can see things very clearly it's sometimes very difficult to understand why other people can't see them clearly. I am a very methodical person, actually, um, and I and I like to everything to be done perfectly. So when the com- before the company got bigger two years ago, I was still doing all the books. As I said, um, I was make sure they're right, yeah. and they were right from two thousand and one to two years ago to the penny. Right. There wasn't a penny out of place in the books. Okay. And naturally how I do things. Yeah, okay. And, uh, but I'm quite good at being relaxed about things not being perfect yeah. when that practically is, is, is an inevitability. I'm not, I don't go, um, uh, I don't get stuck in getting everything perfect. So I'm, because I am much more interested in the big picture. I'm very interested yeah. in the big yeah, and so I can just I can restrain myself from trying to finish every little 
dotting the I, crossing the T's, when the big picture demands it. And I think there's a lot of these things that you need to balance. It's yes. like listening and being stubborn. There are these balances that you need. Yes. And some of them, some of them I, I think um, my natural tendency is to get do any job and do it perfectly. Right. So you have to temper that sometimes. But it's a natural thing for me to look at the big picture. Yeah. So that hasn't been too difficult a one to temper. I've got some one really good lieutenant, an uh, engineer, French, who's been with me for four years. Right. He's like me in wanting to do everything perfectly. He won't show anything to anybody until it's perfect. And he's not very good at letting go of that when we have to. Right. When you're also in a fast-moving young development business, uh, yeah. it's hard to, to get hung up about the last little bit of detail. Right. When things are moving far too quickly for that bit of detail to matter. Yes. How do you promote and serve other people to be mavericks? Um, um, well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not very good at it, mm -hmm. I think. Um, I keep on telling people that... Um, I'm really keen on everybody else's ideas and please put forward ideas. But because I get, I have a, I'm so passionate about what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I've thought everything through for 12 years and they're new to it in the last year or two, mm -hmm. often they come up with ideas that I know I dismiss too quickly. Right. And don't explain thoroughly. And it's taken as I'm not interested in new ideas. Right. That's the problem I have to deal with. Okay. I have definitely got to get better at giving people time uh, at explaining, at talking through their idea. Yes. Um, and explaining why I don't think it does fit. Yeah. Because I'm it's... really keen on the ideas, but I'm in too much of a hurry and under too much pressure. Yes. Quite frankly, at the it's, moment. You need more time. That requires time because what it is about is about. When you're talking through your idea, you want somebody to respect you. The way they respect you Absolutely. is they give you time by listening. And Absolutely. that's the same thing that has to be given to the other person who's putting an idea, even if you don't like it. Yeah, absolutely. And even no, if you no. don't agree, it's time. It's yeah. time. And so I think innately I'm very keen on being yeah. a magpie for ideas and encouraging those others. But in the circumstances, I too quickly give completely the opposite impression. Unless you can put a system in place within your company that facilitates that. Mm. Yeah. You're a systems so, thinking person. It's part, it should almost be an integral part of your system. Um, systems thinking, very big on that. Yes. Victor Capra, who I mentioned earlier, is another um, really great influence on my life. He's still a friend of mine. Uh, well, I met him in 96. Um, and he's... He's uh, one of the great, the, the, the one of the great thought leaders in systems thinking. Okay. Like all sorts of things. What's your biggest ambition right now? Oh, to get River Simple mm -hmm. uh, to a point where I'm dispensable. Okay. That requires letting go. Oh, yeah, well, it's, it's not ready to let go. You've got, I'm, I'm, I think I'm quite good at letting go yeah. when I feel it's in safe hands. Thanks. Okay. When, quite frankly, so many of the core ideas are still being challenged yes. by investors and other people, I can't afford to let to, go. No, that, no. That, and, I'm, and that's another issue I have to deal with. People think that I don't want to let go. Yes. There are some bits I've let go completely right. to people I really trust. And I can do it. But... 
this is another thing where people don't distinguish between um, not letting go because the people I let go to can't be trusted yeah. and, and an inability to let go. Right. And I, I can let go, actually. I'm yeah. quite conscious of that right. okay. need and I'm quite capable of doing it and I want to do it. I'd love to be part-time in River Simple. Right. And does everybody know that? Uh, I've told a lot of people. I don't suppose people believe it. Right. It's, have you heard of the Johari window? No. I'm going to send you something. Yeah. If you could have a superhero power, what would it be? Oh, God. Superhero power? Yeah. Um, 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 oh, yeah. um, well, I suppose it's um, open people's eyes to the ideas that I want to convince them of. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, and what do you do for fun? You've said rock climbing, you've said designing cars. What do you what do for I... fun? What I do fun? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I used to love motor racing, and um, Mo- um, but and when I you say love motor racing, racing, designing or driving, both. Okay. Both. And and I wanted to design design the cars I drove. Right. And and um, and I I actually love as a purely academic, esoteric discipline. Yeah. Uh, both the design and the driving of cars. It's completely unrelated to um, reality and the real world. But but I, I really do think it is one of the great art forms, driving a car really well. I mean, it's like doing ballet on a tightrope 300 feet above the ground right. without a safety net. And, um, and really great driving is the most athletic thing um, imaginable. But it's utterly... Utterly invisible when you're watching on a telly or something oh, like that. I, I, you really got to know it and feel and understand it deeply. And you I think that was in my youth. It was a, a great passion. And um, what do I do now? I mean, I don't know what I do. Um, I, I mean, I love swimming in 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 real water rather than swimming pools. Right. And and um, um, so holidays are always driven by um, clear water. Okay. In, uh, to swim in. Well, I, I've pretty much lost interest in modern cars, right. and modern motor racing, certainly. Um, and the cars, when they were really moving, uh, big changes being made and in, in the first sort of 60 years of cars, up till 1960, right. maybe up till 1970 even. I mean, that the, the, the pace of change was wonderful. And ever since then, it's been incremental optimization and... I'm rather sort of bored of it. But this, what they're doing is not incremental. No, 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 and I get that. Also, uh, this is nothing to do with the Maverick interview, okay? But I have yeah. to ask you because I may never get another opportunity. Although I've got a funny feeling we might get mashed and talk cars one day. But <laughs> of all the quantum leaps that took place in motor racing and car design, and what would you say was the biggest? Um, um, well, I mean, it's Colin Chapman of Lotus. Right. He made four 
big changes. Right. Um, uh, he 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 was the first person to use this, um, uh, an aluminium monocoque. Right. He was the first person to use a stressed engine where the chassis stopped at the front of the engine. Right. Uh, he was the first person to uh, develop ground effects. Um, and uh, no, those, that's three. I was thinking there was a fourth. But it's really his whole system grasp of chassis and suspension design that I think uh, was the big transformation in motor racing. Okay, I just had uh, to ask you. I, I couldn't yeah. have ended the interview without asking you that. <laughs> okay. Um, it was his whole approach. Okay. Set to racing car design. He was an absolute genius. Okay. What would be one quote that defined you as a maverick? Do you have something that you kind of live your life by? Um, uh, well, um, I mean, I've got a few favourite quotes. I don't know if they define me. Um, okay. I'd, I wouldn't claim that. Yeah. Um, it's a bold claim, but um, never enough time to do the job properly, always enough time to do it twice. Yes, you said that one. earlier, yeah. Um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, W. Edward Stepping, who was the management guru back in the 60s, um, he said, um, you don't have to change. Survival isn't mandatory. Yes, yes. I've heard that one as well. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Buckminster Fuller's one, which I suppose is really... Um, um, the, the, the probably closest to what I'm uh, trying to do anyway, whether I live up to it or not, another matter. He said, you don't change things by fighting the existing reality. To change things, you design a better model that, that makes the existing model obsolete. Wonderful. What a lovely way to end. Thank <laughs> you so much. Is there anything you would have liked to have been asked that I haven't asked you? Gosh, no, I... <laughs> okay let me switch the recording off and what can i say wow 